This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm Jim Hayes. I'm a volunteer member of Wikimedia DC. Also, I've strayed off into Wikisource user group. And I've, you know, for the past decade, I've been coming to uh, a lot of our local events with our local galleries, libraries, archives, and museum institutions in my hometown of Washington, D.C. And I kind of, uh, I fill this role as a digital docent. So digital methods for museums is kind of a new and changing ecosystem and landscape. And so I'm kind of training up the, um, the museum docents and curators in and what is all this digital humanity stuff? And what's this weird place called Wikipedia? So it's been a lot of fun. How did you actually get started editing Wikipedia? What was your, your in, your first edits? You know, I started doing local history articles. And also I had a high school buddy who was a novelist and had said he was Italian when I knew very well that he, you know, he's a yank. So sorry, had to had to fix the internet one article at a time and getting started with museums. So I, you know, for local history in Washington, D.C., 10 years ago, we had this uh, Wiki 10 meetup at the National Archives. That was a lot of fun. And uh, David Ferriero, our um, archivist of the United States, hosted us. And there was this graduate student there named uh, Sarah Sturch. And she was working on these public articles and had um, Dave a lightning talk on it. And then that summer, she became Wikimedian at residence at the Smithsonian. It was a lot of fun. She kind of spearheaded that effort locally. And we were off and running. So that Wiki 10 meetup was kind of, was it the starting point for an awful lot of kind of the, lot of the work that's been done locally since then, do you think? Yes. So, you know, back 10 years ago, our meetups tended to be pizza parties. All these uh, strange people would come out of their basements and say hi. But we lacked structure and uh, and kind of focus. But then we started down this, uh, this glam task flow and it gave us lots of work to do to team up with our local museums. Again, in Washington, D.C., we're spoiled. We have all these museums that are free to enter. Uh, and we had kind of this big triad of culture institutions. So we have our Smithsonian Institution, thanks to that wonderful person, James Smithson. We have our uh, National Archives and Record Administration, where, again, a lot of genealogy is done, but also war records and things. And they're the custodian for a lot of federal documents of our federal government. And then we have our Library of Congress. And these are all free to use for researchers. And they're kind of the custodians of a lot of our culture. So you're very much kind of at the, the font head of an awful lot of these things. And again, they're well-established. They've got a lot of resources. But again, we, we kind of... This uh, interaction with Wikipedia was new, and so we were doing trial and error, trying new things, and we made the mistakes so you don't have to. So a lot of the lessons we learned are we're kind of starting to roll out for smaller museums now, and the you know the using the internet, interacting, being a good partner with uh, Wikipedia, it give, really helps smaller institutions leverage their content and gain them more views and visibility. Yeah, so that that impact is always a big piece of why the argument for museums to get involved. You know, open knowledge is kind of a movement and it's it's always kind of a um, confidence issue with institutions is, you know, if we if we share our content, 
How are we going to pay to digitize it? And so after 10 years, these larger institutions that could afford to take the risk on opening up their content have now have the case studies done. And we've seen that it was a, it was a winning tactic or strategy, and we're not going back. We're moving on and finding new ways of linking content on the internet. So how, that's one of the things that I think comes up quite a lot is that smaller institutions might look to the Smithsonian or the British Museum, but say that perhaps the work that they've done isn't very replicable. How do you make it accessible to the smaller institutions out there? Yes. Again, I'd say, you know, what's nice about the the uh, Wikimedia platforms is that they give you free hosting service. So, you know, if you're missing, you don't have to do your own database of your collection. You can host it over at Wikidata. You know, and you don't necessarily have to manage all of your, you know, have your separate server for your images. You could host them over at Commons. So there's some free resources there that institutions can use. And then by host by putting them over at Wikipedia, it makes it much easier for people to link to you and find you and and uh, and visit your website ultimately to find you know what the base, uh, you know, your base reality or your base information is about your collection. And I think increasingly they're starting to understand that there's people go to wikipedia regardless of how wonderful your website is that's kind of the the entry point yeah the smithsonian was saying that yeah by once they started linking the viewage of their website increased uh tenfold to a hundredfold and they were saying that inbound links from wikipedia were greater than facebook twitter and all the other um social media that they were working on again so even if you don't have a social media person because you're small you know, we've got volunteers that kind of can kind of backfill some of those roles. And, uh, you know, so make some good partnerships with your local Wikipedia and, and you know, you can gain some visibility. That's, that's pretty powerful numbers, isn't it? It's um, pretty, pretty impressive yes. stuff. Yeah. And, and again, you know, from the Wikipedia point of view is, you know, we need the references and the citations, you know, we want to share the knowledge, you know, so that's, that's kind of the win-win here and why we're, you know, why we're better together as partners. What, what outcome from all this work that you've done with various GLAM institutions, and I suppose that Sony in, in particular, are you most proud of? Yes, uh, this year was exciting because, because before lockdown uh, in February, um, uh, Smithsonian has released all of their uh, metadata CC0, so that was very exciting. So, Previously, in you know, in the states, um, the Metropolitan Museum had done that, and uh, the Cleveland Museum of Art had done that, and so now Smithsonian's on board, and we're not looking back. Also, in the UK, what was it, Manchester Museum, and they again, they I linked to a little uh, blog post about them. You know, that was two years ago, and so it, it's a, that uh, they had a little Q and A of how's it going and what the internal process was of how they got to releasing their um, their images and their um, their content. It's great to have it laid out like that, because I think the the internal conversations and the process is not up, not always documented. It just no. it seems like the institution just kind of comes to the decision and you don't get the, the ramp up. Yes. So, yeah, you know, we have these big you know, hoopla events and, you know, you miss out on all the, uh, all the 10 years of building the small wins, you know, of showing that this is kind of the right way to go, you know, and part of it is kind of the vision of the uh, institution is, you know, in the Smithsonian had, you know, the further diffusion of knowledge in their mission statement, which 
really kind of goes to why they want to go down an open knowledge kind of path and why Wikipedia's mission statement really aligns with that. Yeah, it's kind of nearly all museums have that in common or cultural institutions that they're they're there to service their public and uh, you know and, and really it does it does align with an awful lot of the, the mission statements yes makes sense and um, it's a and it's a win-win which is always good is there um anything that's really surprised you about the work that you've been engaged with the past 12 years yeah again what what surprised me was kind of the breadth you know when i were when i was starting you know i was just a little editor writing some articles you know and uh so probably lack of imagination. I didn't imagine how broad and deep we could actually make this sharing of knowledge, you know, and now we've gone to Wikidata. So I, you know, I didn't even imagine linked open data back in the day. And now this is for, especially for librarians, this is right in their wheelhouse. They understand that, um, you know, especially if they have a cataloging background that, you know, if we, if we link metadata across institutions, we can do so much more, you know, the institutions kind of build off of each other and reinforce each other. I think for, you know, it always appealed to me because you kind of think of the, the idea that came in the 1960s of the museum without walls. Yes. Things that are really disparate can be brought together. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we there was always this vision of how do we push things out into the public, and it's we've always kind of remained stovepipe, and there's always been kind of institutional issues preventing us. But now, um, I think open knowledge and the sharing and the the licensing, you know, putting stuff in public domain and late, clearly labeling it that way removes that barrier, makes it easier to share things. Yeah, I was going to say too. Um, remote conferences I would have never imagined you know I I was kind of place focused you know it was kind of our local city's effort and now you know in this year we we've had this blooming of remote conferencing you know so your your Celtic knot was a big success very impressive and also the wiki site conference this year so you know back in the day you know when we were doing meetups before you kind of had to know locally you know it was word of mouth you kind of knew to show up even if even if there was emails and social media push to get people to come but now we have people you know from across the pond or you know new zealand showing up and helping out to our local effort which is really that that's surprising and it's i think it's i probably surprising for people from outside the movement to think that maybe actually the we have been quite synchronous as a movement as as you know kind of the people who are activated and it's only really now that we're becoming slightly more asynchronous and, and that we're not as local focused. I mean, all the chapters tend to be country-based or all the user groups and we're, we're starting to kind of upend that a little bit as a movement now, which I think is going to be a strength going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I th yeah. I think, you know, the, in our refutation of the, you know, all those big institutions got the money to digitize and stuff is we're doing some lessons learned here and we're, trying to replicate them say in the global south so we're and in smaller institutions so it's it's enabling kind of a sharing of means and methods uh, and the the digital kind of enables you to leverage smaller institutions and more neglected content you know we're we're decolonizing the internet as we're going so we've been talking kind of i suppose really big picture kind of the the work that you've done over a very long period of time uh, within the GLAM institutions locally. But what, from the point of view of, say, somebody who's never been, you know, to a wiki meetup or to an edit-a-thon, 
what does it actually mean on the ground? You know, so you're working with an institution, what kind of events or work do you do with them to get the partnership going? Yeah, so, you know, a lot, as you know, being a Wikimedia residence, it's a lot of just building the partnership and building rapport. And again, the, the in-person meetups were great for that because we could share some stories. And then, you know, eventually we'd get around to the meat and potatoes of creating some content, you know, and reusing, you know, linking to the content in the institution. Uh, you know, so typically with Smithsonian, you know, they have, an, they have an art archive. So we would take their finding aids and then use those and use the content uh, in their collection, you know, the archival photos of the artist and things like that to build the biography of the artist that was much more accessible and visible uh, to the average, um, you know, search engine internet user. And then from there, a lot of things spun out from that. So now we're, you know, with Education Foundation, they're teaching writing skills and teaching people how to search the internet, credibility coalition, working on, you know, how do we evaluate source reliability, which is a, you know, here's another uh, naughty problem that Wikipedia turned up and is crowdsourcing the solution to, I guess. I think we like to hope, we like to think anyway, in our best days, that's what we do. Yeah, you know, and who knew that, you know, all of the um, internet behemoths would be relying on us to keep the scaffolding stable, you know, oh boy. I think that's what a lot of we didn't necessarily see coming down the road was to Yeah, speaking of surprises, yeah, who knew that we were going to get linked on Facebook, you know, and who knew we were going to have to write articles about newspapers so we'd know, you know, who, you know, who owns that newspaper and uh, what's going on, how reliable are they? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely did not, yeah, we didn't see that, especially in the early days based on the critique that we had, that was, that was a surprising outcome. On a kind of a personal note, do you have a, a favorite kind of area of content or something that you keep coming back to, or perhaps a, an article that you are particularly proud of? Yeah, well, I, I uh, those two I mentioned, again, I had less input on these two articles, but they kind of showed uh, a sustained effort by the Smithsonian and us to improve them. So the Alma Thomas article is interesting. She was a um, Washington Color School artist whose papers are at the Archives of American Art, and she has some paintings in the Smithsonian. A uh, local artist went to Howard University, very exciting. And again, that took uh, about five years to build up. Some, and again, it wasn't the work of one specific editor. And the same thing with the Greek slave uh, article. So again, that's a sculpture that's, uh, the plaster cast is in the, um, is working plaster cast is in the Smithsonian. And then that has some historical, uh, you know, American sculpture is, you know, came out of the 1800s there. And so it was an interesting kind of political statement about slavery and then also uh, evoking the classical uh, past. And sculpture was kind of, you know, we had been kind of painting 2D focused and so trying to work on a sculpture article was a, was a stretch for some of the uh, fine arts articles. Again, we're blessed in Washington, D.C. with a lot of public art. So we had, a, we had started with our list article of uh, public art in Washington, D.C., which we had to split into eight articles because there's so many. 
And and it's good because now some of those Confederate statues are gone. And we actually have an article about the statue that used to be there. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, statuaries definitely taken on a whole new meaning. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's funny. We think of sculpture outside as permanently fixed. But, you know, about 100 years, we get a little rotation, you know, and they get moved around and people, you know, say, who was that person? Get rid of it. It's interesting. Actually, from the Irish context, we're far more comfortable with getting rid of statues. That's something we <laughs> started doing early on. Uh, so if you look at all the articles for the main cities in, in, in Ireland, they will all have a section that says past sculpture. Uh, yeah, so we're familiar. <laughs> well, it's good in the database. You can you can have a end date, which is good. <laughs> you know, you can say, well, it was there and then it moved on and, you know. Yeah, it's it's interesting how, I suppose, over time, Wikimedia projects, specifically Wikimedia Commons as well, is becoming an archive, you know, just by sheer, yes. you know, levity. Yeah, so that some of all paintings work being done on Commons is interesting. So they've, they've, it started before there was a Wikidata, and now we're kind of shifting all of that metadata from, and linking it from the Commons, where it's, it was kind of texty, you know, it wasn't really data fields. And we had a whole metadata cleanup there to get it, you know, to be machine readable and then transferred it over to Wikidata and try to, you know, do some database methods there on works of art. So yeah, you know, the the librarians were ahead in this linked open data thing. The museum curators, I'm afraid, uh, you know, they hid all of the catalog raisonnés you know, in the back room, and they didn't really scan them and come up with real work numbers and stuff like that. So it's the date, metadata wrangling is uh, somewhat harder. But ultimately a lot, very, very powerful. So definitely worth doing. Yes. So it's, it's interesting. So each, each uh, institution tends to be stovepiped about works in their own collection, but by, by linking all of them into Wikidata, now you can, you can say, give us a query of all of this artist's work and where is it and you know what's what's the provenance hopefully hopefully we'll get the provenance i mean you know typically the it's the major artists artists that have that kind of metadata out there but you know eventually we'll push our way down and and get to the the other artists as well, second tier artists as well. Yeah, I was really struck by your um, the title that you used, Digital Docent. Uh, so yes. I'd be really interested to hear how you came to that to that term and does that just apply to Wikimedia projects or other other work? Yeah, as a longtime museumist kind of museum lover, I've been on a lot of docent tours and they're wonderful because they give you all that rich detail about objects in the collection and kind of weave that story. And so, you know, that's kind of how I view my role at, you know, when I'm going to, when I was going to meetups, you know, last year, uh, you know, you have a lot of museum staff that, um, you know, the, the digital methods are new, you know, how do we interact with this weird wiki community, you know, so I'm kind of there explaining, yeah, you have to kind of be nice to the Wikipedians and maybe not, you, we know what you want to do, but try and do it this way rather than that way. You know, don't, don't put your ins, your non-commercial license on your public domain work, you know, uh, bad idea. And it, it takes a little explaining sometimes. Yes. 
Yes, but it's it's so it's kind of what you're explaining is kind of the human. It's very much the human element being the, the bridge. Yeah, between. again, we've kind of we've kind of gone to this. Our meetups used to be a lot of tutorials for you know what is this wiki stuff? You know, wiki code. Again, a lot, we've gotten away from that now with Visual Editor, which was much nicer for writing content. And then now that we're going to Wikidata, that's that's more approachable database entry kind of things, which, you know, if you're a librarian, you're used to, you've done some cataloging. So you're, that's familiar to you. Thanks so much, Jim. I, is there anything else you want to mention before we, before I press the button again? You know, another side project I do is this wiki source transcription. So transcription oh, course, yes. is, a, is a, it's a thing at the Smithsonian. They have their own transcribed.si site and library. So the larger institutions are transcribing their own collections in order to make them digitally, uh, you know, machine readable. But also Wikipedia has that too for public domain things. So for smaller museums, this is an option for them if they have documents that they want to get out there. They can upload them to Commons and then we'll go transcribe them. Yeah, it's one of the, the I suppose, it has less brand recognition, if you want to put it that way, uh, than Wikipedia, but it's a very powerful platform in it itself. Yeah, so that's the other thing is it's it's not just the encyclopedia. We have all these other little cul-de-sacs or supporting uh, cast that helps do the mission. And it, it's good to kind of give an overview for folks because sometimes they may not want to write articles. Maybe they just, maybe they'll want to link to their metadata in that's good enough you know uh, eventually we'll find some volunteers to write articles as well we're all about diversification of, of skills and resources definitely well i think on that note i will we can relax and i will um stop the recording that's okay with you This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.